This week, my guest is John Norton. He runs an accountancy firm, and it stands out because it doesn't fit the stereotype. We talk about the marketing lessons any professional firm, financial services or otherwise, can learn from the experiences John's had building a standout accountancy brand. Welcome to episode 134 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. And now here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hey folks, welcome once again to the show. And as always, thank you for downloading or streaming me and my guests. I really do appreciate it. It's been a month since I was on stage at the Content Marketing Academy conference in Edinburgh talking about keeping marketing simple and fighting complexity. The feedback on the talk has been awesome, humbling. Since then, I've been asked to speak on the same subject at a marketing conference in Newcastle in September and another in Montenegro in October. Seems people are interested in the power of simplicity. If you'd like me to speak at your event, let's chat about it. Hit me up at rogeredwards.co.uk or tweet me at roger underscore Edwards. So let's get into this week's chat with John Norton. We talk about how to make management accounting more accessible to businesses, the similarities between marketing and accountancy firm and a financial advisor firm, the importance of daily cash flow and how accountants can help, and finding your unique tone of voice so you rise above your peers. John set up Barefoot Accounting to help small businesses and organisations demystify their financials. His focus is setting up systems and providing monthly accounting support. Barefoot Accounting is here to ensure that your accounts help you direct your business and keep you compliant with the added security and peace of mind that a dedicated professional is watching your back. So let's get straight into that interview with John right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. John Norton, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hi Roger, thank you for inviting me. Not a problem. John, tell me, where are we Skyping each other from today? I'm all the way from sunny Linlithgow. <laughs> Not far at all then, only about 15 miles. Makes a change actually. Some of my guests recently, there's been thousands of miles between us, so you're a local lad. Yeah, I should have made it an excuse to come into Edinburgh. <laughs> we, we could have actually recorded this in the corner of a coffee shop using a portable recorder, but we're on Skype, so we'll stay on Skype. John, thanks for coming on the show. You run a company called Barefoot Accounting, and we're going to explore some of the marketing challenges you face as an accountancy firm, as a professional financial services firm. But before we get to that, John, tell everyone who's listening to the Marketing Finance Podcast a little bit about yourself, where you came from, where your careers developed from, where you're going, and basically what makes John Norton tick. Well, it's probably been a bit of a long and winding road, to be honest. I originally did an engineering degree, and probably fair to say I had a midlife crisis (laughs) at the grand age of 20 and decided to jack it all in and go to music college. Right to seek fame and fortune as a rock legend. Uh-huh. Didn't quite work out, but during that time, it actually was quite a good um, period to help me now because I supported myself doing various jobs, um, one being a driving instructor. So I kind of find now I fall back on some of that experience of coaching people and as well as um, 
when the tax deadline arrives and being crumpled in a pile of crumpled receipts, I've been there. So um, I find it's given me a lot of empathy. I then moved up to Scotland to try and get a proper job and to be with my now wife. And I got a job in a bakery and I was given a project to help essentially the new manager director work out how much a roll would cost him to make. And I it's at that point I really realized what I was doing was essentially accountancy and cost accounting. Started training to become an accountant and then left to um, complete my training in practice. I found I really liked that more hands-on approach, being involved within a company. So mm-hmm. I left practice to um, go into industry and I've worked in manufacturing, um, finance services, education. And um, I decided, I always had um, when I was practice this idea that it'd be great to run my own practice mm-hmm. but supporting people more in a partnership kind of way right more as like a, a finance business partner more for those businesses that want someone to give them the guidance and someone they can fall back on and someone to watch their back mm-hmm. rather than this more um oh the accountant is a guy i drag in you know because i have to <laughs> at the end of the year just to stop me going to jail um and so that really was the seed for barefoot accounting and i've i originally started it about over two years ago, though I was um, running a day job at the same time, so lots of frantic working on <laughs> yeah. commutes, spinning and such plates. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I kind of um, have built it up from there, trying to take more of a monthly support approach to accounting, and also the idea of making management accounting more accessible to businesses. Mm-hmm. Barefoot accounting is quite an interesting name, John. And, and looking at your website, you know, one of the questions that you answer on your website is why business owners go barefoot. Where, where did the where did the name come from? It's quite intriguing. I guess the, the hardest question for anyone starting a business is what to call their business. Mm. And um, I like the concept of it actually came from Barefoot Doctors in China. Okay. And the idea is um, that some of the guys working in the paddy fields would be given some medical training so that if anyone did have an accident while they were working, there would be the medical assistants there beside them on hand to help them. And I, I like that kind of idea of working in partnership with people to help them rather than almost, oh, we'll have to somehow get you to a hospital to sort you out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just seemed a good fit. I quite like that analogy, John. It, it certainly works for me. And, and of course, 80% of the people that listen to this podcast predominantly work in the UK financial services industry. And as we know, financial services can be quite a dull industry and, and the consumers don't get particularly excited about it. And I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to you from an accountancy point of view, because I think accountants and accountancy firms face the same sort of issue. It's seen as something that's dull but necessary. Obviously, you've got to fill in VAT returns, you've got to fill in your corporation tax return, etc, etc. You can't avoid it. But it's not the most, you know, it's not the sort of thing you get out of bed in the morning and get excited about. So there's a lot of parallels between marketing an accountancy business and marketing a financial advice business or a financial professionals business. And maybe we can start with one of the things that maybe frustrates me about the perception that I have about an accountancy firm, because, of course, I run a limited company as a consultant and I have an accountant and I pay that accountant X amount each month, £150 a month, £200 a month, say. And some months there's absolutely nothing happening. And I sort of get a bit frustrated. What's this person doing for my money? And of course, at the end of the year, they fill out the tax return. They do my returns. They do the books. They audit the accounts, etc. And that's where it really all comes together. And that's what's really important. But sometimes I just think 
what am I actually paying for? Is that something you get all the time, John? And and, and what has um, Barefoot done to sort of help people with that perception, as it were? It's a big question. There's um, I think there's two sides to this. Um, maybe if I address, is accountancy really that boring first? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was planning on doing a blog on that because, let's face it, it's the question everyone asks. And I think accountancy came in the top, you know, three dullest professions. <laughs> I think one reason it's got a bad rep is essentially the whole industry, to my mind, has been compliance driven. Mm -hmm. And and essentially, there's two main streams to accountancy. There's your financial accounts, which is the stuff you provide for people out with your organization. So Mm -hmm. that would be your annual accounts that you must do and you must do it in a certain way. Then there's management accountancy, which is more the stuff for the people running a business. Right. So I think when people talk about accounts, they see it very much as a just have to do because mm-hmm. they're told to. Mm-hmm. And that's the financial side of it all. And it's important because, you know, if some people are going to lend you money. People want to do business with you. You've got limited liability. It's very important that people know what's happening from an, outs- an external point of view. And it's very much about balance sheets and jargon. Mm-hmm. Yet I'd argue for most business owners, it's the flow of cash that's perhaps of most um, mostly weighs down on their their minds. Mm-hmm. I think as well, even when you go into forums, if you go into a business forum and write, I'm not sure what to charge. Well, accountancy is a big part to solving that question. It's not the biggest because there's, you know, people aren't necessarily rational, but knowing how much the cost of your time is, is very important. And then people get very passionate about that side of it all. So I think it's a misunderstanding of what accountancy actually is. Um, I could draw another analogy for financial services. I, I read a blog recently, I believe by David Withington, mm-hmm. and he wrote a one how, you know, his question, can I retire? And his financial advisor actually answered that question. That's an exciting question when you yeah. look at how much it can open up. Yeah. So I think um, it's like anything, any subject you could probably find very boring or you could find exciting. I think it's working out, well, what does it mean for you and why should you care? Yeah, I, I, I don't. Th- I don't think I've probably made that connection myself because, again, I I, I just see my accountant as somebody who will help me with my VAT and help me with my corporation tax and do the books for me each year by auditing them, basically keeping me out of prison, I guess, you know, making sure I don't do something that breaks the rules. What I don't perceive them to be there to do is to help me with that daily cash flow. Now, of course, as a business person, cash flow is extremely important to me and I'm I'm sending invoices out to customers. I'm hoping that they pay on time. If they don't pay on time, I'm having to chase them. And, you know, sometimes cash flow can get a little bit tricky. Sometimes it's fine. But I'm sitting here and I don't naturally think I'll go to the accountant and ask them for help on that. I just don't see that as something that I need. So what can you do to make people see that it is more than just the numbers and more than just keeping you out of jail? Um, I think it is an education piece. And I think, unfortunately, as I mentioned before, I think it has been very compliance driven to start off with. But I think one of the main tools to fight this is actually cloud accounting. Mm -hmm. I hate that term because it seems to be banded around everywhere, whereas the bullets of solve all ills in your bookkeeping and accountancy world. It's not. But what it does allow you to do, if I don't know if you use something, but you can then speak to your accountant who can see your accounts at this precise moment in time Mm -hmm. and could potentially you know, even if you had a quick chat with them, say, well, what about this report or that report? So you could very easily see who owes you money. Yeah. You know, you can have a better conversation with them. I think historically, probably the cost of speaking to your accountant and saying, can you help me my cash flow would have meant, well, you need to send them all your bank statements. 
you'd have to have them spending ages on a spreadsheet and coming back to you. But now I think the technology that is there to be a great enabler for you to work almost in parallel with them. Yeah, and- of course, of course, because they can instantly see what uh, your cash flow situation is like and immediately give you advice. I can see that. And, and yeah, I, I use QuickBooks as my, um, as my accountancy software. And of course, the accountant does have access to that. But again, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm reconciling my bank account with QuickBooks, um, but I'm still not thinking oh, I'll just pick up the phone or send an email to my accountant and say, are there any things that you can see from my current position that you think I need to be concerned about? Or are there any things that you can see from my current books which suggest I need a change of approach or I need to change my pricing or that sort of thing? So really what what you're probably saying is that I'm not using my accountant as much as I could be. It's true. And I think it's difficult because I think accountancy is in quite an excited, accountancy is in quite an exciting period of time where things change because of the technology. And I think people's expectations are changing. Mm-hmm. And I think from the accountancy side that there's a lot of accountants there who are thinking, well, we could help these people, but they've got to appreciate what we can do. Mm. Because there is a case where I have some people you speak to them and they just want the accounts done every year. Yeah, And it's that jump from, well, actually, we can do that. But perhaps you want to start considering the management account side of it all and how we can help you or be on hand to help you when needed. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of practices have gone more for the, the fixed cost approach, mm-hmm. um, also charging monthly. And I think there's a slight shift probably going to happen in, in, in the industry, at least it's the way I'm trying to focus, is more on seeing it as a monthly service yeah. as opposed to effectively prepaying for your annual accounts at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So that comes back to your idea of thinking, I'm paying so much per month, but I'm not hearing anything. Yeah. Um, as a model, it's, it's something I'm wrestling with, to be honest, um, because I think there's several strands to it. I think there's the monthly support, which is needed. Mm-hmm. Then there's the compliance work, which is a big chunk of work that's actually at the end of the year. Yeah. And there's also a strand, I, for want of a better word, I'd say it's insurance. Uh-huh. There's that almost someone watching your back. So for me, it's what do you want as a customer or a client? And I think for a lot of people, it's so they don't have to worry about the accounts is the first level. The next level is probably so they can use the accounts. And I think that's an education piece. Mm-hmm. But I think not having to worry about it is in having someone to watch you back, maybe say, oh, I've spotted you, you know, say your rental costs are through the roof mm-hmm. because you do seminars. You could actually rent something around the corner for that. And then you could do a seminar whenever you wanted to or rent it out to someone else. There's these little ideas that you can see when you look at the accounts yeah. rather than necessarily, you know, a year and a bit afterwards because no one's in the same business now as they were 12 months ago. No. But yeah, I think there's an insurance piece as well because the, the rules keep changing. A good example would have been with the flat rate scheme changing. I don't know if you're aware of that at all. Yes, I, I remember getting an email from my accountant telling me about it, but I'm not actually on the flat rate scheme, so I don't think it applies to me. Yeah, for those people who were caught up with it, um, it was a little bit silly because the final guidance only came out about a month before the rules changed. Mm -hmm. There was a warning shot beforehand. And then there's a case of, well, as a client, if you were on the the, um, flat rate scheme, and what I try to do with my clients is write them an email saying, this is what's happened, Mm -hmm. this is what it means, here are your options, and this is what I advise. So it's almost by paying that amount every month, you're almost paying someone around this behind the scenes to check at this. And when something happens, which invariably it will at some point, they'll go off, crunch the numbers, take the time out and then come back to you with an answer. And you don't have to worry about it. All you need to do is reply to an email saying, yeah, that's a good idea. Thank you. 
And I think that's a difficult one because it's very hard knowing exactly what's going to happen or when it's going to happen or who's going to be effective. But you can be sure it is going to happen. No, I, I quite I quite like that. I quite like that analogy. So what is different about what you do at Barefoot Accounting than, for example, my my accountant, which is uh, on Musselburgh High Street, say? There's a growing portion of accountants, perhaps more of them who've come from industry, that are taking a more collaborative approach mm-hmm. with their clients. Mm-hmm. Maybe because if you're from industry, you're, you're used to getting your hands a bit more dirty than from practice. And they're, they're slightly different um, skill sets. And I think there are those of us who feel a bit more would like to work with clients. I'm quite keen on working with social enterprises as well, where you almost get under the skin of them to work mm-hmm. out what are you doing and why are you doing it? Because on the surface of it, what they might do might not make um, financial sense. But if you've got other objectives, then it totally does. And I think there's quite a few accountants taking that route and also mm-hmm. taking advantage of the technology, as we mentioned before, to really get a feel of, well, essentially be like your finance director without you having to um, hire someone and being on hand for when you need them rather than paying someone month in, month out, whether you've actually got a problem or not. That's a nice analogy, actually, because um, I actually sell myself sometimes a marketing director for companies that don't want a full-time marketing director. Uh, So I quite like that analogy that you're employing a finance director, but effectively only when you need it or he's there at the end of a phone or at the end of an email. That's quite a nice analogy as opposed to someone who just does the books for you once a year. I think that is a much nicer approach and I I like that idea of collaboration. And and we live in a collaborative world these days, of course. I also like the idea because... Sometimes it's a bit, if you get um, the accounts at the end of the year, well, actually, it's normally about 18 months in, there's a mass rush to get everything done. But you get these accounts and you spot things, but it's too late to do anything. Yeah. And sometimes you think, if only you'd given me a call when you were making this decision or when you weren't sure what was happening, I could have helped you in a 10-minute call. Mm-hmm. That's why I quite like it when, you know, speaking to startups early on and, yeah, they're not going to be a client probably. My best advice sometimes is just use a spreadsheet for now. Yes. Keep your, keep your receipts in a, in a shoebox. At least you get a new pair of shoes out of it <laughs> and then we'll talk. But almost have that free conversation to start off with to get them on the right track so they're they know what they're doing and they keep it simple because that's what it is. And then when they grow, then they can start bringing in an accountant and getting things right. But I'd much rather you know, help someone out as things are an issue. And, and if you do it that way, when you get to the end of the year, it's not like a big mountain that needs tackling because you pretty much know what's going to be happening and why. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you've been doing some quite interesting stuff with your marketing, John. Um, just again, looking at your website here, the landing page doesn't immediately suggests to me that you are an accountant except of course there's a, there's a sort of focus on an abacus but it's very colorful it's very in your face and you know a lot of accountancy websites are your typical picture of a mahogany desk or somebody wearing a gray suit and tie that sort of thing you've got obviously gone for a different approach and i like that what have what have been some of the things that you've done to market yourself to market barefoot accounting um, and what have you learned as you tried to be different in marketing your business i believe i had a a kind of vision of what i of the direction i wanted to go into mm-hmm. but i think unfortunately like many other startups i did the whole oh, I'm an accountant, I must wear a grey suit. Yes. And I must fulfill this corporate image. And I found as I've picked up more clients, and especially clients that are a better fit for me, it's really, really helped. I think for me, it's more about fit. And I think that's perhaps my marketing strategy is try and find people that are a natural fit for me. And for example, if someone wanted 
an accountant that did have a mahogany desk and they did have a, you know, in the middle of a high street and salubrious offices, they probably would be a bit turned off by me well, at the moment in my hoodie in my garage. <laughs> but for other people who kind of want that bit more relaxed approach and a bit more of an accessible approach, they like that. Mm. Um, so I'd said it's finding the right fit. I also got more and more into content marketing. Mm. I believe we met through the Content Marketing Academy. Yeah. And I like the idea of just putting stuff out there to kind of demonstrate what you're about. So I've started blogging recently, and it just gives my angle on various topics. So hopefully people, well, it either helps people, they'll either ignore it, and it might give people a bit more of a flavor of what I'm about and what makes me tick. Mm -hmm. And I found through doing that, it gives a bit of self-awareness. So the more as you think about your business and how you do it and how it evolves, I think you then find your better target markets, and you find who you can best service so, for example, while I, I'm happy to help out people who just want the annual accounts done, and indeed I recommend for some people when they're in the early stages, that's probably the best thing for them because they don't have any income at the moment. Mm. There is that idea that I can't really give them as much value as I can for someone who says, well, yeah, I really want to embrace the fact that you're there. You know, if I've got a question, I send you an email, I get a reply, we're all good. So, yeah, you made, you made some really good points there, John. And again, I, I they resonate with me quite a lot because... I think there's always that danger when you set up in business, and it doesn't matter whether you're setting up in business as a financial advisor or as an accountant or as a hairdresser. One of your immediate thoughts is, you know, everybody is my potential customer. And if you do that, then you you can actually fail because you're being you're trying to be too broad. But if you focus in on a particular type of customer, and from your point of view, it's the type of customer who may not like the sort of traditional accountancy approach i mean if you if you want to become a uh, an accountant for a rock band you know you might not want that uh, uh gray suit and tie approach or if you are a um, accountant for a load of um spa owners then again a different image might work for them and i think that's what you've done you've picked a particular niche of people and you've created your marketing approach around that and and i think that that's 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 really important and the second thing obviously yes the content marketing the blogging what you're doing is you're giving people a look at you as the individual so obviously you've got barefoot accounting that's the firm but they're seeing the personality behind the business and that's you and that gives them the opportunity to get to know you it's the old cliche of no like trust isn't it john they're getting to know you because of the content you're putting on your website because of the blogs that you're producing and other things and they get a feel for what you like and whether they want to work with you and if they do then that's a, that's a great way of creating a relationship and relationships lead to business transactions so it's a really interesting approach that you've taken i think yeah thank you roger and as i say i think with the blogs i've found a lot of benefits it is perhaps personal mm-hmm. because it is more <laughs> learning how to write is a, a useful skill and it's mm-hmm. good practice at that but i think it does really make you think about your tone of voice and that and what drives that and i suppose it's ultimately your brand and that's something that money can't buy it's something that you is almost inherent and mm-hmm. something you evolve and yeah. hopefully that will come across if you just let give yourself the permission to write yeah that's absolutely right that's absolutely right and one thing you said earlier which which amused me that as accountants accountants have got this perception people have this perception of accountants that that's about the dullest pr- pr- profession that there is well i think even below an accountant we have the actuarial people who who tend to run financial services companies and it's a bit of a cliche that the actuarial profession is even lower down the rankings than an accountant but I think that one of the the issues that 
people in the financial services sector have, particularly those of a financial discipline like accountants or actuaries, is that they are totally orientated by figures. You know, they think in figures. They like to, if they do presentations, they'll like to have lots of graphs with lots of numbers. And I think sometimes you can forget that personal touch that you are actually transacting with real people. And I think that the approach you've taken by having a blog, by having a website that's a little bit more welcoming, you sort of, you overcome that numeracy and that sort of, that that staidness that can sometimes creep in. Because face it, these people are excellent at the numbers. They're not excellent at pro- promoting a business. But what you've done is you've, Managed to find a happy medium. I think it's a difficult line to to um, balance, and I think I, I almost joked about it once being the move from Excel to PowerPoint, right? Where people want to know that you know the data behind it, and I think with all this, you know, we mentioned about cloud technology, it means you can have a phenomenal amount of numbers. But I think the real art is distilling it down to the simple things that are really going to help someone. Mm. in terms I understand. I quite like, um, for example, when I prepare accounts, it's quite funny talking about the cloud accounting. I I do it all (laughs) on Excel because that allows me to actually modify the accounts and put comments against it so I can send that to a client and say, here's what I got for your accounts. Mm -hmm. And then you can have a sensible chat. I will then turn that into the annual accounts with all the um, gobbledygook on it, which probably doesn't mean much to them, for them to sign off. But at least there's that interface where they see, right, I understand all these numbers, and then they can see it in the final accounts. And I think sometimes there's that human element where you say, well, how do I help you understand what's coming out of all these numbers and highlight things that might be of interest to you? That's where it gets more interesting. Yeah, the human touch is so important. I think that uh, financial services companies do need to be more human. And I, I think we've made massive progress over the last couple of decades. But again, I think there's always something that we can do to engage and connect with our customers more. And content marketing is obviously one of the ways that we can do that. John, it was great to speak to you this afternoon. And as we start to wrap things up, Tell me, what's the best business book you've read recently? Tell us what it was and what you took from it. There's, I've been fortunate enough to read quite a lot of good books of late, actually. I try and read quite a bit. Um, and uh, one that's really had quite an effect on me was Deep Thought by Carl Newport. Okay. And it's the idea of being able to focus more deeply on the work you're doing. And I find that really helps with accountancy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is part of the reason I've moved to my garage. So it's just yeah. to go into one place spend a few hours with no interruptions and just get work done. And I think um, with the constant interruptions we always have from phones and all this technology is, I mean, I think it's a fantastic enabler. But I think there is almost that idea of saying, well, no, actually, I need to get stuff done and I need to stop the noise mm. for a moment and I have to mm. almost give my brain time to work. So that's had a, a good effect. Um, and actually another book, if I can be cheeky and slide another one in, which I just read was um, Get Things Done mm-hmm. by David Allen. Mm-hmm. And if I'm totally honest, I was almost a bit put off reading it because I thought it'd be a bit gimmicky. Right. Probably. I think it's one of those books where people think they know what it's about, but they've not actually read the book. <laughs> and there's lots of <laughs> there's lots of apps based on that, that um, his ideolo- ideology. But it's when I actually read it, it suddenly made sense to me. And so while I can't say it's had a profound effect of yet because I... I've only just started, or I've only just finished reading it. It's really made me see where perhaps I've been going wrong with organization and with lots of notes here, there, and everywhere. And I like the way it kind of, well, he's very much on the idea of just start with paper and pen, you know, paper and pen, Mm -hmm. start simple. Mm -hmm. 
and then develop some system that really, really works. Because, you know, I was constantly spreadsheet here to do that and cross-referencing to make sure nothing gets missed, which uses a lot of brain space. So that's another book which I was um, really impressed with. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what effect that has on me. I'll have to dig that one out, John. I'll have to dig that one out. And I'll include the links to those books in the show notes for the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. John, it's been fascinating talking to you today. I always like to talk to people in different parts of the professional services industries, in the financial professional industries, to get tips on how we can market businesses which which the public tend to think are relatively dull and there's a lot of really good stuff going on out there at the moment and uh, barefoot accounting definitely stands out for me so john i'm hoping that people listening to the podcast might want to get in touch with you so what is the best way that they should connect with you um the best way i'd suggest would be to drop me an email on jon at barefootaccounting.co.uk fantastic are you on twitter um yes roger it's at um bfoot accounting so feel free to Look me up on Twitter or drop me an email. I'll be be great to hear from you. Fantastic. John, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. It's been great to talk to you. And let me wish you every success for the future. And as we only live about 15 miles apart, let's meet in Edinburgh at some point for a big black coffee or a pint of beer or a glass of wine. Sounds like a plan. Thank you very much, Roger. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the topics, apps and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. If you are a business person, financial services professional or journalist and have a marketing or finance story to tell, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's just thoughts and opinions. Okay? Okay.